0: Progress. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. It is great to have you here on this Wednesday, December 8th, 2021. This week's Torah portion is Vayigash. And the last few days, we've been talking about discussing the narrative of Joseph as he reveals his identity to his brothers after a little while, after a year or two of... Um, pretending that he doesn't know them and accusing them of being spies and putting them them through the ringer, giving them a very hard time. Finally, he reveals his identity. He tells them, his brothers, that he's not upset at them, that he recognizes that this is not them who sent him to Egypt, but it's rather God who sent him to Egypt to serve in a positive capacity, namely to provide his own family, including those very same brothers, with sustenance during years of famine. And he then invites his brothers, their families, of course his father, the entire mishpach, the entire family, to join him in Egypt. He says, you guys got to come down here. Tell dad he's got to come down because there's still five years of famine and there's plenty of food in Egypt. I'm going to give you the best part of the land and we'll, we'll be together and life will be beautiful. The message we ended yesterday's Piece, the third reading we ended yesterday by discussing the message that was sent up to Jacob it was Yosef is still alive, he's a ruler in Egypt and he says come down Jacob didn't believe or maybe on some level didn't want to believe because he didn't want his heart to be broken once again, didn't want that disappointment for a false lead but when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent he re- he remembered the Egla Arufa, when he saw the Agalot, the wagons, he remembered the Egla Arufa. He remembered the piece of Jewish law that he and Joseph were studying right before Joseph was kidnapped and, uh, and sold as a slave some 22 years prior. And with that, the final words of yesterday's reading was, and Jacob's spirit was revived for 22 years. He existed in a deep state of mourning, a deep state of sorrow. Finally, his spirit is revived. This takes us directly to reading number four, which is appropriate for Wednesday. So let's jump in. Vayigash, Genesis.
1: Yes. But, you know, we've learned that we're not to be, you know, we're not to be continuously sad like that. And that's why, you know, like, even after death, mourning is prescribed, you know, you know different yes. levels. And it constantly diminishes until Good. we, not soon after, find our full life again.
0: Yes, excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Good question. Um, in typical cases, that is true. But, and this is something that we're going <coughs> to speak about tonight at the Torah Studies class, there is a blessing. There is a bracha that God embeds in creation. And that is that a person naturally, as time goes on, their um, their sorrow, their, their grief is alleviated the, the more time passes. But that's a special blessing that's given for those who have passed away. But in this case, J- uh, Joseph had not passed away. Which means that the blessing of kind of being able to... to to move on with one's life had not been granted in this case. He was stuck in, in a state of um, of pure of pure um, um, of gr- pure grief because he didn't have that special blessing.
1: That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's that's what the commentators say. All right. Va'yigash. Fourth reading. Genesis chapter forty-five, verse twenty-eight. And Israel said, Israel, of course, is Jacob, Enough! My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. What does enough mean? Rashi explains. I just toggle Rashi here. I have enough happiness and joy since my son Joseph, since Yosef, is still alive. So when he says, Rav, O Yosef Ichai, it means I am filled with joy. I am filled with happiness upon uh, hearing this news, that Joseph is indeed alive. All right, Genesis chapter 46, the big move. It's always hard to move, especially when you're moving an entire family with kids and grandkids and animals and stuff, lots of stuff, uh, moving to a different country. This is the next piece of the narrative, Genesis chapter 46, verse number 1. Um, let's welcome Sandrine and Olia. Welcome! It's great to have you guys here. And Israel and all that was his, so Yisrael, Jacob, and everything that was his, family, possessions, etc., set out and came to Beer Sheva. So they they started journeying to Egypt. They stopped in Beer Sheva, and he J- and he Jacob Israel slaughtered sacrifices to, to the God of his father Isaac. So on his way out of the Holy Land, he gives God an offering. He gives God some sacrifices. And God said to Israel in visions of the night, in a dream, in a vision. And he said, and God said to him, Yaakov, Yaakov, Jacob, Jacob. And Jacob said, Hineni, here I am. You know by now that Hineni, here I am, is a one-word Hebrew phrase that means complete Presence, complete, completely being there with the other. He Hineni, here I am. I love how in this one verse, he's called Israel and Jacob. God said to Israel, what did he say? Jacob, Jacob. Just so you see the inter... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The How interchangeable the two names are. In the same verse, God spoke to Israel and he said, Jacob, Jacob. Here I am. we explained that a few weeks ago. I'm not going to get back into the explanation of why the two names and what they mean. But just here's an illustration of how interchangeable they are. And he said, God said to Jacob, I am God, the God of your father. Do not, listen to this, do not be afraid of going down to Egypt. For there I will make you into a great nation. Don't, he, he obviously God knew that Jacob was apprehensive leaving the promised land, leaving the holy land, leaving the land of his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham, leaving the land that God told Abraham, lech lecha, go to this land. He's now leaving this land, moving to Egypt. So God says, don't worry, don't be afraid, don't be frightened, because there I will make you into a great nation. Which of course, what doesn't escape us, the idea that precisely in a foreign environment, a hostile environment, and ultimately a torturous environment, it's precisely through the difficulty, the challenges, and yes, even trauma sometimes, that greatness is born. Not automatically, but that precipitates. Show me a person that has accomplished great things. Show me a person that is a strong person, a real person, a true person, an honest person, and I'll show you someone who's been through challenges. Because the the challenges create greatness or help. They're they're an ingredient in the creation of greatness. So God says to to Jacob, don't be afraid. You're going to go to a foreign land. To the land that is the most despicable of all other lands spiritually. It was the most depraved land. A land in which ultimately there will be enslavement of, you, of, your, of your descendants. But don't be afraid. You will be a great nation. God adds another blessing to his promise. Or another promise to his blessing. Whichever one. Same thing. I will go down, says God. I will go down with you to Egypt. And I will also bring you up. And Joseph will place his hand on your eyes. Let's toggle Rashi. Let's see some some depth in what what God says over here. Verse 4, I will also bring you up. Rashi says he promised Jacob that he would be interred in the Holy Land. So what God is saying to Jacob is, don't worry, when you pass away, you're not going to be left And buried in Egypt, you will be brought back up to the cave of Machpelah in Hebron in the Holy Land. So I will go down with you to Egypt, God says. I will also bring you up, meaning your remains will come back up to Israel. And Joseph will place his hand in your eyes. I believe that's a reference to his passing. Joseph will be the one to close your eyes after your passing. He will be with you. You will be reunited. And this is the right move. He's basically, God is basically reassuring Jacob This is the right move for you to do. You you should go down to Egypt, be with your family, and I'll take care of you. Now, that's Rashi. There are other commentaries. the other um, insights in this that I want to share with you. When God says, I will go go down with you to Egypt and I'll also bring you up, it's not just Jacob himself. It's the family of Jacob. It's B'nai Yisrael, it's the Jewish people. And God is promising Jacob, the patriarch of the family, He says, I'm going to go down with you and your children, even in the most difficult times, I will be there with them. They're not navigating the slavery. They're not navigating the hardship, not navigating the the challenges alone. They have me. And I promise I will also bring you or them, you meaning the individual you, but also the collective you, I will also bring you up. In the Hebrew, there's a double expression. va'no'ichi alcha gam aloi. Alcha means I will raise you, gam aloy and I will also and I will also lift you up. In the English, you don't see the double expression. They just they just flattened it and made it one. I will bring you up. In the Hebrew, it's and I alcha. I will raise you up, gam aloy and you will be raised. A double expression of raising. Why the double expression of raising? The commentators explain because when when a person goes down. There's two ways to get back up, or two types of getting back up. One is you get back up where you started. So you were here, you went down, now you come up back to where you were. But then there's a higher form of raising, and that means you're here, you go down, but ultimately you go higher from the down because of the challenge, because of the difficulty, because of the... Of 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 the the darkness in that situation, it actually propels a person even higher than where they were before, and that's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal of the challenge, of the darkness, of the hardship, of the difficulty, the ultimate purpose is not just alcha, but gam aloi. The whole purpose is not just to get back up to where you started from, because what was the point, right? So God gives us challenges so that we'll overcome them and be back to where we started. That seems like a waste. No. Never miss the opportunity of a good challenge. A good challenge is meant to raise you even higher than when you started. That's the anoichi alcha kamaloi. Raise up and raise even higher. Get back up. Pick yourself back up. I will help you. Pick yourself back up and rise even higher than you were ever before. Okay, so that's a bit of an insight into God's promise to Jacob. I'll share with you another insight on this. I will raise you up and you will be raised, refers to multiple points of raising, which, which is a reference or an allusion, a hint, to ultimately there being multiple exiles. Our people have not just faced hardship in, didn't just face hardship in Egypt. There's the Babylonian exile, the, the Assyrian exile. There is the Roman exile that we're still in today for 2,000 years. There are lots of multiple exiles. And the message that God is telling Jacob, according to this understanding, I've given you now three interpretations, according to this understanding is, that I'll raise you up from this one, and in the future, anytime you go down again, I'll make sure you get back up. And ultimately, the ultimate raising up the ultimate is the ultimate redemption, with the coming of Mashiach, may be speedily in our days, and let us say, Amen. Let's continue now with verse number five.
1: Yes, sure. So it, it's not just the twelve tribes; the it's also other all of the people of Israel, right? They're going. It um, is yeah.
0: well. I mean that that was basically the family. The family that was, was basically t- it. That was yeah. the family. I mean, Dina was a sister, but I mean, otherwise, that was that was the family.
1: So it wasn't that much. That meant, I mean seventy. Was
0: we'll see soon. Seventy people. Okay. Yeah. Seventy strong, not a not a huge no, not a huge family. Let's re- We're actually going to read a little bit about that right now. And Jacob arose from Beersheba. So again, on, on his way out, he stops at Beersheba. He offers a sacrifice. God appears to him in a vision, gives him reassurance and a promise for the future. Jacob ar- arose from Beersheba, probably the next morning. And the sons of Israel, B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, carried their father Jacob, and their young children, and their wives in the wagons Pharaoh had sent to carry him. You would think they carried the father Jacob on their shoulders. No, that means they carried him on the wagons. So the sons took care of their father and their own kids on the wagons that Pharaoh had sent. Let's continue. And they took not only the people, but they also took their livestock and their possessions that they had acquired in the land of Canaan. And they came to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him. His sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Okay, let's toggle Rashi. Let's see. Let's get some commentary over here. Um, So his daughters, plural, could either be his daughter, literally his daughter Dina, but also could refer to. His daughter's-in-law, which could be considered to be a daughter as well. His son's daughters, who were his son's daughters? Rashi explains. Sarach, the daughter of Asher. And Yochever, the daughter of Levi. These are two of his granddaughters that are specified here. Okay, let's move on to reading number five. Here's the game plan. Reading 5, we'll do... Well, it's, for, it's tomorrow's reading, but I feel like we're, let's do it because it's all part of this narrative. Um, and then tomorrow, we'll, we'll figure out already um, how we're going to allocate. We'll do the Torah this week. Okay, good. I think we're good. Let's continue. The Torah now names names. The Torah tells us who it was that came down to Egypt. Who was the family? And we get a... We get a um, what's the word I'm looking for? An accounting... No, an audit of the people of the family that came down, members of the family. Genesis chapter 46, verse 8, reading number 5. And these are the names of the children of Israel who were coming to Egypt. Habaim, who were coming to Egypt. Not who came to Egypt, who were coming. It's in the present tense. Rashi says relative to that time when they were migrating to Egypt, the text calls them coming in the present tense. Okay. So basically it's um it's uh, coming to Egypt at that point they were coming to Egypt today nowadays we would look back and say that they were the ones that came to Egypt but in that in that context they were coming to Egypt all right so here we go Jacob and his sons that's a general category Jacob and his sons so let's let's detail who they were Jacob's firstborn was Reuben and the sons of Reuben were Hanoch and Falu, Chetzron, and Charmi. These are, I'm giving you the Hebrew pronunciations, these are the sons of Reuben. He has four sons. Chanoch, Falu, Chetzron, and Charmi. Next son, Shimon, the sons of Simeon. Sons of Shimon were Yemuel, Yamin, Ohad, Yachin, Tzohar. And Saul, and Shaul, the son of the Canaanites. Saul, the son of the Canaanites. Okay, what's the meaning of that? Rashi explains. The son of the Canaanites. This is, Saul was the son of Dina. Look at that. The son of Dina who had been possessed by a Canaanite. Possessed doesn't mean like a demon, like a spirit means who had been abducted and abused by a Canaanite, by Shechem. So when they killed Shechem, Dina did not want to leave until Shimon swore to her that he would marry her. So he married his sister, which is not uh, kosher in Jewish law. It's not the, according to, to Torah law and post-Sinai, etc. This was clearly an exception, and I'm sure the commentaries discuss it at length, why the, how this could have happened and whatever. But it seems like after her trauma of her abduction and, and, uh, and assault, Dina essentially told one of, I mean, her brother Shimon was one of the ones of Shimon and Levi who had taken out Shechem in the whole city. She told, she told um, Shimon she, uh, she, she, she needs a promise that he's going to marry her, and he married her. So that, that son was Saul. The son of the Canaanites. Who's the Canaanites? It's a euphemism for Dina, who had been abducted by a Canaanite. So it's not that she was a Canaanites, but it means that that was, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a way of, without specifically saying clearly that, he, that, that Shimon married his sister, so it's, it's, it's alluded to over here by calling his, his son uh, the son of the Canaanites. Okay, hope that makes sense. Let's continue, verse number 11. And the sons of Levi, the next son of Jacob, the sons of Levi, were Gershon, Kahat, and Merari. Let's continue, the sons of Yehuda were Er, Onan, Shelah. Those were the three sons. And then, two more twins, Peretz and Zarach. Now, Er and Onan had died in the land of Canaan, and the sons of Peretz, now we have uh, great-grandsons of Jacob, the sons of Peretz were Chetzron, and Chamul, all right. Back inside to um, Jacob's son and sons and grandsons. The sons of Yisachar, one of Jacob's sons, were Tola, Fuva, Yov, and Shimron. And the sons of Zvulun, next son. The sons of Zvulun were Sered, Elon, and Yachlael. Let's continue. Verse fifteen. These are the sons of Leah. Well, the sons and their children of Leah that she bore to Jacob, to Jacob in Padan Aram—that means the, in, where, where Laban was—and Dinah, his daughter. All the souls of his sons and daughters were thirty-three. So, from the family of Leah, there were th- from the lineage of Leah, there were thirty-three members of the family, including children and grandchildren, and the sons of God and great-grandchildren. The sons of God. Were Tziphion, Chagi, Shuni, and uh, sorry, Etzbon, Eri, Arodi, and Areli. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. God had seven sons. The sons of Asher, sorry, the sons of Asher were Yimna, Yishva, Yishvi, Bria, and Serach, their sister. We mentioned Serach before in the Rashi. Serach was a daughter of Asher. So the sons of Asher were these. And then you had Serach, their sister. And the sons of Bria, these are now great-grandchildren, were Hever and Malkiel. These are the sons, the two, God and Asher, these are the sons of Zilpah, who was the maidservant of Leah, whom Laban gave to his daughter Leah. And she bore these to Yaakov, 16 souls. So, Leah's own descendants, number 33. Leah's maidservant, Zilpah's descendants, number 16. Let's continue about with uh, with Rachel's lineage. The son of Rachel, not lineage, I guess, descendants. The sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife, were Yosef and Benjamin. Joseph and Benjamin. And to Yosef were born in the land of Egypt, whom Asnath the daughter of Potipharah, the governor of Own bore to him. Well, who were Yosef's sons? We know this from last week. Manasseh and Ephraim, and the sons of Benjamin were Bella. Remember, he had ten sons, and he told them. He told Yosef all the names were named after him. All right, what were the names of his ten sons? Bella, Becher, Ashbel, Gera, Naaman, Achi, sorry, Echi, Rosh, Mupim, Chupim, and Ard. These are the ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten sons, and all of them had an association, their names had an association with Joseph, with his big brother. These are the sons of Rachel who were born to Jacob. All the souls were 14. So Rachel's descendants numbered 14. Two sons and grandchildren, 14. And the sons of Don, Chushim, and the sons of Naphtali were Yahzeel, Guni, Yetzer, and Shilim. These are the sons of Bilhah, whom Laban had given, Laban had given to his daughter Rachel, and she brought these to Jacob. All the souls of, sorry, all the souls were seven. So we have here four family units within the family because there were four wives. I mean, two wives and two maidservants, but essentially there were four women who gave birth to the 12 tribes. So Leah's descendants, number 33, Bilhah's descendants, sorry, Zilpah's descendants, number 16, Rachel's descendants, numbered 14, and Billah's descendants, numbered seven. All right, I'm gonna stop sharing for a moment and do a little math here. 33 plus, hold on, 33 plus 16 plus 14. So I'm gonna do 33 plus, 30 plus seven, equals 70. Amazing. Alright, beautiful. Jumping back in. Verse 26. All the souls coming to Egypt with Jacob, those descended from him, excluding the wives of Jacob's sons. In other words, ex- excluding the daughters-in-law, right? Because they weren't biological family. All the biological family of Jacob, his wives, their children, or their descendants, right? So the family, the blood family, all the souls were 66, if you exclude Joseph's part of the family, and Joseph's sons, who were born to him in Egypt, two souls. So you have 66 plus Joseph plus his his two sons is 69, And then we'll talk about the 70th in a moment. All the souls of the house of Jacob who came to Egypt were 70. And that's how the reading ends. And we're going to stop here. So um, there is a little bit of a question about the math. How do we get from 69, right? 66 plus 3 to, to, to 70, which is 69. How do we get that extra one? The answer is that it was Yocheved, the daughter of Levi, who was born in between the walls. I'm sorry, I feel like I did not share my screen for the last, uh, last little bit. My apologies. There you go. I think we did um, these last two verses without the screen being shared. Okay, so we have all the souls, excluding the daughters-in-law. They were 66, plus Joseph and his two sons equals 69, but the Torah counts it as 70. Why? Yocheved, daughter of Levi, was born as they entered Egypt. Between the walls, like at the border, that's when Yochevet was born, and she was number 70. I mentioned this, I'm sure I mentioned this last year. Always a beautiful um, concept to mention regarding, um, surrounding Yochevet, that she was the mother, this, this young girl, this baby, who was born on the way into Egypt to make it 70, to move it from 69 to 70. So she was the mother. Yochevet is the mother of Moses, Moshe. And Moshe, of course, is the redeemer of the Jewish people. And it's very appropriate. Why? Because a redeemer has to be somebody who has one foot in and one foot out. If they have two feet in, they can't get you out. If they have two feet out, they can't pull you out because they're outside. So a redeemer needs to have one foot in with you, but also one foot out to pull you out. So this is Yocheved. This is Moses' mother. His mother is born not in Israel, not in Egypt. Right? If she was born in Israel, too removed. Born in Egypt, too stuck. She's born at the border, so they have, so she has one foot in, one foot out, and she gave this, she gave this energy to her son. She bequeathed it to Moses to Moshe, and Moses ultimately, therefore, was, according to this opinion, according to this commentary, Moses is ultimately the one to. Rescue to redeem the Jewish people at God's behest. OK, let me toggle some Rashis over here and see if there is some, some commentary. Um, we did about, We talked about Dina. Oh here we go. Well, when we counted the numbers, we did, we did find 70. We 33, 16, 14, and 7. that was 70, but Rashi points out that 33 is a wrong number. The Torah calls it 33, but Rashi says if you count them individually, you find only 32. From Leah's family, you don't find 30. The Torah says it totaled 33. It doesn't. You count it, it's, it's only 32. The missing one is Yochever. I just told you her story. Who was born between the walls when they entered the city in Egypt. As it says, whom she bore to, who she bore to Levi in Egypt. Her birth was in Egypt, but her conception was not in Egypt. She was conceived in Israel, born upon entering Egypt as soon as they entered. And therefore, she had one foot here, one foot there, gave that to Moses, and he was able to rescue the Jewish people. Okay. Very interesting Rashi before that. Might as well mention it. I don't think we're going to go too deep into it, but just something that that is interesting. So it says, these are the sons of Leah and Dina, his daughter. So the sons, so regarding the boys, it says sons of Leah. The boys are attributed to their mom, Leah. Dina is referred to as his daughter, in other words, referencing the father. So the boys are attributed to mom and the girls attributed to dad. So Rashi says, the males are attributed to Leah and the females to Jacob to teach you that if the woman emits seed first, she gives birth to a male, but if the male emits seed first, she, the woman, gives birth to a female. Uh, what the question is: What does it mean? seed? That's a subject of a lot of uh, discussion and commentaries. And again, I'm not going to get into that right now. But it's an interesting concept that's brought in the Talmud, Trate Nida, about conception, childbirth, and gender. Very interesting uh, piece. Feel free to uh, to look into that in your spare time. Okay, moving along. Um, it says, verse 19, we read before, the sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife. So Rashi points out that little addition that Rachel was Jacob's wife, concerning none of them, none of the other three does it say Jacob's wife. So why does it say here? The meaning is that she was the mainstay of the household. She was the primary wife. She was the ikarai shabayit. She was the, the mainstay of Jacob's home. I think I'm going to skip this. Actually, no, I do want to mention. Yeah, you know what? Might as well let's, let's just read it. It's a, some of it is grammatical, but it looks like interspersed to get some interesting commentary. All right, Rashi says like this: All the souls coming with Jacob, who left the land of Canaan to come to Egypt, right? They were, that was that that number was sixty-six. Not not the ones, not Joseph and his kids, those three that were in Egypt. These are the ones who were coming with Jacob, leaving Canaan. The, those were 66. Now, this word, haba, is in the past tense, but in, is not the past tense, but in the present tense. Similar to in the evening she would come, and like, that means to come with the sheep, and like, behold, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. Oh, no, I'm sorry. In the evening she would come. No, that's from the book of Esther. Hervib, i trying to remember the context of that. The evening she would come. Today. It says Esther, bro. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you on the Esther here. She's trying to remember the context of the book of Esther. The morning, I think it says in the morning she would come and in the evening she would come. It's referring to maybe when she was um, preparing herself for the beauty pageant to become the queen, she, all right, we have to look it up, Esther 2:14. at some point, we'll look it up. All right, Anyway, it's, it's, it's a present tense. Um, therefore the accent is below at the end of the word, on the Aleph, Habba-, not Habba, or ha- not Habba, but habba Because when they left to come to the land of Canaan, they were only 66, excluding Yocheved, Joseph and his two sons. The second instance of Habba, however, all the sons of the house of Jacob who came to Egypt were 70, is in the past tense. Therefore, its accent is above, on an earlier symbol, on the bet, Habba, because when they came there, they were 70, for there they found Joseph and his two sons. Right, 66 plus Joseph is 67, two sons is 69, and Yocheved was added to them between the walls. Okay, that's all, honestly, that was a little bit more grammatical, and that's why I was thinking about skipping it. So if you didn't get, catch all of that, it's fine. I want to focus now here in the middle. According to the one who says that twin sisters were born with each of the progenitors of the tribes. We must say, in other words, that twin sisters were born with each of the 12 tribes. Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, they each had a twin sister. According to that, comment, so how come they weren't counted here? According to that commentary, we must say that they died before their descent to Egypt, for they were not counted here. So, Rashi says there is an opinion that says that when each of the 12 sons were born, there was a twin sister born along with them. So, how come they're not counted? You have to say that they died. Again, does it seem like a stretch, far fetched? Sure, but this is how Rashi is trying to justify that opinion with this reality that they're not being counted here. I found in Leviticus Rabbah, it's such a weird name to call it, Vayikar Rabbah, I mean, Rabbah's. Hebrew, might as well call Vayikra Hebrew, whatever. I found in Vayikra Rabbah, which is the Medrash on Leviticus, that Esau had six souls in his family. Esau had six family members, and the text calls them Nafshot beito, the souls of his household, plural, in the plural, because they worship many gods, in his family, each, one, each his or her own deity. Jacob had 70 souls, more than six, but the text calls them Nefesh in the singular, because they worship one god, so here Rashi points out something beautiful from the Medrash that Esau's six family members, they're called um, Nifashot, Nafshot, plural, souls, plural. Whereas Jacob's seventy souls are called seventy soul in the singular, nefesh. Why? Polytheism, monotheism, pagan worship, belief in one God, it's the belief in one God that not only united them with the oneness of God, but united them with each other, whereas the diversity, diversity says a good thing, but whereas the, the polytheism, the idea of worshiping many gods, actually divided, splintered the uh, own family. All right, so that is the end of the second reading of today. We did two readings, four and five, a little extra bonus reading. So we have the story rounded out. Um, and what we read is, how Jacob begins uh, begins uh, heading down. Jacob agrees. He says, "Yes, it makes sense." He goes, starts heading down to Egypt, stops in Beer Sheva, brings an offering. God gives him a blessing and a promise, all good things, and that's it.
1: Rabbi, yeah. Rabbi, can you expound upon please that? Right. So, you know, was the famine the? There had to be a famine, so they had to leave. Israel. Yeah. And that and then, so God. Z- yeah. I will make you into a great nation. So what? What was? What was? What would be encompassing the great? How? What would the great nation be?
0: Good. Good. Excellent question. And and really two points that I want to focus on. Number one, you know, we know that it's God's plan that they go down to Egypt because it happened, right? So hindsight is always in this case 2020 if it happened it means like we said last night it's part of the matrix it's part of God's plan it's it it, it it nothing could happen that we would turn back look back and say well that shouldn't have happened it's not it's not it's 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 an impossibility if it happened if it's real that it happened then it's real that it was supposed to happen right that's that's the way it is as real as it happened is as real as it should have happened because it did happen. Okay, so that's that's we know for sure. Why did it have to happen in this way? Why did there need to be slavery? Why did there need to be hardship? Why? I, I can tell you what the I can tell you what transpired. Why already is uh, that's already playing architect, that's playing source. Now, can we infer from the teachings of our sages and how the story plays out? Can we infer some, some, some ideas? Sure. One idea is greater light emer- is the light that, light that emerges from the darkness is greater than, than light without darkness. So that, that's one thing we know. Yisr Na'ar Menachoshech. There's a greater light that emerges from darkness. So it's precisely from this dark space of Egyptian exile that the greatest light is born. They couldn't have, according to our sages, they couldn't have received the Torah without first going through the Kor HaBarzal, the smelting pot that was Egypt. That challenge, that difficulty, strengthened them to become the nation that they, that they ultimately became. Can you have growth otherwise? I don't know. I don't write the script. This is clearly the way it was supposed to happen. One thing we do see, though, is that the Egyptian slavery begins, well, at least part of it begins, in a positive, happy, loving way. I mean, Joseph went down to Egypt in a very traumatic way, and Jacob was traumatized for 22 years. But, at least after that, um, they go down as a family with excitement and joy and positivity. They weren't all taken captive from Israel and brought into slavery in Egypt. That's not how it worked. They went down in a positive way, and then it evolved into, or devolved into, into slavery. So that's uh, one thing that our sages point out. Another point that's very relevant is that God had foretold this to Abraham. God told Abraham by the covenant of the parts, when they remember they took an- animals and they split them apart and they, uh, he was in between them, whatever. Anyway, the, at the covenant, God says, I promise you children in the land, but you should know your descendants are going to be um, slaves in a foreign country. And that's referring to Egyptian slavery. So it was foretold. It's part of the plan. It's part of, part of the way things needed to be. Why? Couldn't they have been done? Other couldn't, couldn't, have, couldn't the positive be earned in a different way? Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Can speculate. Can, can you know? pound their fists on the table and say it's not fair. God should have figured out a way to do it in a positive way. We could do that. We could spin our wheels... that space or we could say this is this was part of the plan this is what had to happen this ultimately led to something greater and uh for those that have a a perception of these things perhaps it makes the journey into that space a little bit easier
1: so the great nation is the receiving of the torah
0: first of all they went from 70 to two three million Uh so a great nation is on on a very simple level numbers it's a it's a big it's a big leap from seventy people to two or three million people. That's a, that's a big jump. So that's one thing is X, is just this population growth, a great nation literally, and then you have a great nation which is a, a Torah nation, a nation led by God, etc. I mean that's that's a big deal also. So it's both quantity and quality. But you know
1: it's interesting. So you know Joseph. Didn't feel like he was challenged, right? He was—he saw the good in everything, and he—he—he he, he, he mastered everything. But as the as the, as Israel grew, the people, the nation, and they suffered in the exile and this and that. A lot of them did not see things that way. Right. There were a lot of complaints.
0: Yeah, yeah. A lot of complaints. A lot of uh, a lot of and and Yosef is a is a rare guy. I mean, he when I say he's a rare guy, it's it's, it's very rare to have someone who is locked in to that truth who's able to see through the you know the, the, the challenge and see the opportunity. It's very, very difficult. It's very rare, sorry, it's very rare to find someone who's on that level. That's Yosef. He's a role model for us not to be hundred percent you know all the time in that space, but to strive as much as possible to be in that space. So even though we'll have moments of, of pain and challenge and difficulty and moments where we you know where we, uh, where we're kicking and screaming that we don't want to be here. Right. Hopefully we also have moments in which we can see through the challenge and see the opportunity and capitalize on that. Hopefully that's the goal. All right. Good to see everybody. Donna, Sarah, Mark, Olia. It's great to have you guys here. And uh, quick announcement, two announcements. Number one, tonight, Torah study, 7.30. Make sure that you're on with us, either in person or online, 7.30 p.m. In-depth conversation about the Torah portion. Number two, tomorrow night, join us in person for Bound to Inspire, an evening dedicated to great Jewish books and great Jewish study. We're going to have a showcase of over 100 exceptional Jewish titles available to peruse and to purchase, if you wish. Um, We have a PowerPoint. We have a multimedia experience that will depict and, 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 and show some of the most priceless books Jewish Books of All Time, and the History of, of Jewish Printing. We have a cocktail reception, wine and other beverages, and some good food. So join us tomorrow night starting at 7 p.m. right here at Chabad in Jeff's place. Be there or be square. You don't want to be square. So be here for that. All right. I want to wish everybody a wonderful day and hope to see you a little bit later. Take care, everybody.
1: Thanks. Bye, everyone.